Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is July 20th, 2020. And as many of you may know, we just passed through the moment of the new moon, the second Cancer new moon this year, less than 90 minutes ago. And so we're working in a powerful time of opportunity to work with those energies that always bring about, um, help us to concretize thought forms through the etheric and mental planes. And that's what we do in triangles. So I think it's a good time for us to be working together. As we know, the purpose of our work in these weekly webinars is to introduce this work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles and also to present a platform for people who are already members of Triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. We know that there's a subjective bond that unites all people of goodwill who love and serve, no matter how wide the differences of race, class, and creed may be, or in economic, religious, and political conviction among Triangle's members. People everywhere are united in their desire to create a new and better world. Ideals of brotherhood, equality, and freedom are universally shared, providing an unbreakable unity of purpose within the immense diversity of thought and belief. Triangle's forms part of this larger task. We're united in our intention to build a network of light and goodwill around the globe using the power of thought. Triangles reflects both the subjective unity and the outer diversity of the new group of world servers. At the centers of the triangles work is the daily activity, regular, rhythmic, and deepening over the years. This work involves a simple daily visualization using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. Three people linked subjectively each day together and visualize a lighted triangle connecting them with each other. And as they visualize their triangle, they visualize the energy circulating throughout the Triangle's network, and they link with all other Triangle's members throughout the world. And then as this network is visualized, the Great Invocation, a world prayer, is sounded in order to release and circulate the energies, reaching all open hearts and minds who can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. So if you're new to this work, and resonate to the idea of planetary service, please consider forming a triangle. Or if you're already a member of triangles, please consider forming another. For the more people who participate in this work, the more spiritual energy will be released into our world. Together, we can be working to make our planet a lighted house. So as we do each week, let's begin with a brief visualization, followed by the sounding of the mantra on your screen. Let's link with each other and visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, let's now visualize a triangle composed of the three planetary centers, humanity, the planetary throat, hierarchy, the planetary heart, and Shambhala, the planetary head center. Visualize the energy circulating in all directions 
around the triangle, filling it with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star, the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and present, radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the triangle and the star out through the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, Visualize these outpouring energies, enlivening small groups everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need we reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. After our meditation today, we have the opportunity to hear again from our friend James Mills from the UK, who always presents his wonderful creativity and uh, artistic skills with the group. So we look forward to hearing from James a little bit later. So as we've said, and as we know, the work of triangles is always related to the ability to work with the power of thought. And I came across a sutra from the Agni Yoga book Heart, Sutra 300, which beautifully encapsulates this idea in the special language that those books always uh, use. It says, if thought in itself contains creative energy, then how useful it is to direct good thought into space. When humanity shall agree to send forth good thought simultaneously, 
then the infected atmosphere of the lower spheres will at once clear. Hence, it is necessary to take care, even a few times daily, to send out thought, not about oneself, but about the world. So that is, of course, what we do each day. We're not synchronized necessarily in time, although some triangles partners may choose to do that, and certainly that could enhance the potency of their work. But many of us also link at 12 noon and at five o'clock each day using the mantras that coincide with those times. And this too is a powerful tool to send out, as the sutra suggests, good thought to the world and to believe in its effectiveness, to know that it's helping us to transform our planetary grid. So although these are challenging times through which we're passing in the life of our planet, we know through this sutra and through our own life experience that this really is a temporary situation. How long or how short in duration is really uh, our decision as a collective body, humanity's decision. But we know that the externalization and the reappearance of the world teacher will come perhaps at a time when we think not according to the Bible at least. So we can't really know, but we can know that this situation is a good sign. When things fall apart, it's a good sign. So part of what's happening as well is not just related as we know to the higher kingdoms, but also to humanity and to the soul of this third planetary center, the throat center, the creative center. Its soul is said to be awakening as well. So it's surely um, similar to the case of an awakening soul life in the case of an individual. We know that that is always preceded by chaos and disruption and many challenges. So too in the life of a group and so too in the life of a nation. So we, again, we have to realize that this is a good sign. So we're clearing away the dross that limit the soul's ability to express itself. And it's said that the soul primarily awakens through the stimulation of its lighted point, because the soul is a lighted point within any form. And so as we collectively, all the people who stand within the heart center of the new group of world servers work together to stimulate that soul, that point of light within the form, we have to be careful to not stimulate the form itself. For it's the task of us to work as white magicians who work with stimulating the soul. And as I said, we're the planetary throat center. So if you imagine the beauty of the symbolism in an individual's life, um, it is when the mind becomes illumined by the light of the soul that fusion with that soul eventuates. And so on a planetary level, if we know ourselves to be the planetary throat center, the mental body of the planet, as we awaken, we will do so through the light of the spiritual hierarchy pouring in to illumine our collective mental body. So it's beautiful to think of ourselves um, as becoming fully illumined by merging with hierarchy. And so in the future, it's said there will be no more hierarchy and humanity will actually be part and parcel of that center. And together, this planetary soul will make its approach to the highest center, Shambhala. And the Tibetan words it this way, when the proper and correct raised stimulation is applied to the center, which we call the soul in any form, but not to the form itself, then that soul thus stimulated will do its own work of destruction, of attraction, of rebuilding, and of a consequent renewed life manifestation. This is true of the soul of a man, 
the soul of a nation, and the soul of humanity itself. So it's good. It's all good. And surely we know that because humanity is ruled at a soul level by the fourth ray, the ray of harmony through conflict, that as this ray energy comes in, it's giving us this proper time to bring in this soul stimulation, for it's primarily a ray stimulation that awakens the soul to life. And so we have to remember that no matter what our particular soul ray might be, one of seven, we're told, on a collective level, as we become liberated and move more fully into alignment with our soul, so too do we come more fully into alignment with the soul of humanity, which is, as I said, this fourth ray. So as the soul of humanity, the fourth ray coming in to stimulate that soul occurs, all of us are awakening to an increasing potency of fourth ray influence governing us at the soul level. And as humanity becomes more illumined by the light of its soul, the barriers that separate us, that separate us as individuals and groups and nations will begin to fade away. And we'll begin to work more as the Triangles Network works as a collective body within the planet through which the unifying energies of light and goodwill can pour. So I'll just close with one final thought, which will serve to remind us of the power of our key tool in the triangle's work, which is the great invocation and its ability to very much aid in this awakening of our human soul. The Tibetan writes, when the thought behind the great invocation can be carried high enough in the consciousness of those using it through a joint effort of the world disciples and the hierarchy of light, as well as being reinforced by the forces of light, then the spirit of peace can be invoked. So that's a powerful statement. Um, so. Okay, so now we begin with our meditation work. So let's begin by linking with our own soul. Soul of our group and the soul of humanity as a point of love and light with all the other people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. Let's lift our consciousness to the highest center and invoke the spiritual will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the Triangle Divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Now using the creative imagination Let's link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. 
Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network. Now we lift our consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangles Network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships.
sound the mantram of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not accept due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work that will be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth.
Thank you, everyone. So now, um, James, I'll unmute you. Let's see. I don't see you there. Okay. Okay. So, hello, James. Hi, Kathy. Hey, can you show your screen now? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, okay. Can you see my screen? Yeah, but you're on the last slide, so you have to oh, scroll okay. up. Okay, hang on. There you go. No, hang on. Oh. Got it. Okay, so here we go. All right. Okay, good evening, everyone, or good afternoon. Um, this uh, talk is about uh, the slightly rarefied uh, subject of um, proportion theta and the pentacle star. So if we ask ourselves, um, what is proportion? We learn to keep a sense of proportion in daily life, meaning that without a sense of this, we are in danger of not seeing the world in a balanced way, but only from a narrow perspective. Living as we do in an age when there is so much opinion, it is vital that we maintain a broad perspective to counteract partial and limited interpretations of events, both global and local. Another way to maintain a sense of proportion is to cultivate a sense of humor in which one can sense, uh, one can see us in the situation uh, from a different perspective. And often this means we can see the absurdity of a, a given situation when looked at differently. Thinking about what we mean by proportion philosophically, it is useful to review what the classical thinkers thought about it in ancient Greece. Ratio was considered a simple difference between two things and the fundamental basis of conceptual judgment, i.e. A is to B, for example, comparing an orange to an apple and defining their various qualities and properties. Proportion is a more complex um, concept as it is a relationship of equivalencies between two ratios and was also called analogy. Esoteric knowledge requires us to use our abstract thinking to try and understand concepts and ideas presented to us. Using analogy can help us to make an abstract ideal idea more real. For example, the process of the unfoldment of consciousness in, in a human can be likened to a lotus flower, which is rooted in the earth and blossoms in the light of the radiant sun. This analogy helps us to relate to this abstract process by relating it to something in our daily experience. A distinction was made between discontinuous proportion, described as particular knowledge related to the concrete mind, and continuous proportion, which was described as knowledge that can flow and be seen to connect to the higher abstract mind. Both these forms of knowledge are part of the law of correspondences. For example, a four-term ratio or discontinuous proportion is such that a father is to his son as a mother is to her daughter. The, the comparison is approximate but communicates a general concept in words. A three-term ratio or continuous proportion is, for example, my child is to me as I am to my father. So the me is the middle term and bridges between the two extremes of the child and the grandfather. The person hearing this analogy, analogy can imagine themselves to be the middle character and can therefore participate in the analogy, subjectively relating to both extremes and also sensing the generational unity of all three terms in relationship. Therefore, a sense of flow is established between the elements and between the objective and subjective experience of the person involved. So an example of a four-term proportion geometrically is found where we have the yellow rectangle A and B 
and it relates to the blue rectangle C and D with the common diagonal, thus A is to B as C is to D. An example of the three term proportion is where we have the green square, which can be subdivided along a common diagonal again, such that square B is half the size of square A and double the size of square C. Thus, A is to B as B is to C. The relationships are more intimate. Now we come to the golden proportion or the golden ratio. There is only one example of a two-term proportion. So we've had a four-term proportion, a three-term proportion, and now this is a two-term proportion, and it is unique in, in uh, as far as I, <laughs> I know, which brings the observer into even closer relationship with unity or wholeness. And this is the ratio of theta in the Greek alphabet, numerically 1.6128. And this is called the golden proportion or golden ratio, such that, and I'll just put up the ratio, A is to B as B is to A plus B. So graphically we can represent it in the proportions of the human body, such that the measurement from the top of the head to the navel is A, and from the navel to the feet is B. The navel to the feet, B, is to the entire height of the person, A plus B. So there's this relationship between these three different uh, measurements, and they relate to this, basically, this, this um, ratio theta. You can try this out with the tape measure at home. Um, if you measure your own body, you can get a grasp of this concept by actually experiencing it. Therefore, if you measure your full height x and multiply x by 0.38, so that's the uh, dimension from the crown to the, of the head to the navel, and then multiply your height again by 0.6128, that's the navel to the feet, and then check those calculations by measuring yourself to see if they tally. There's always going to be some variation in the measurement as the human form is only an approximation of the divine idea, but they should be generally correct. An example of this, you could say physically, is in the act of bowing, where we bend from the waist. And this is a physical enactment of this division of unity. So we can also see this primary golden proportion geometrically in the unfolding construction of an expanding rectangle. Taking an initial red rectangle right at the center, and by adding a blue square to the side of the red rectangle, we create another rectangle in the same proportion as the smaller one. So we have this, oh, I can't do it with my cursor, but anyway, you can see what I mean. Thus, we can keep adding a proportional square to the side of each larger rectangle and keep growing the rectangle in the same golden proportion. And we can draw a spiral using larger and larger quarter circles as it grows. So it's a very pure form of spiral that we can create through this process. So we can say that this proportional system expresses both sameness, i.e. all the rectangles are in proportion to each other, but also differentness in terms of their increasing size and alternating orientations. So I, I think this beautifully and simply demonstrates the principle of unity in diversity. So we now move to the pentacle star, the five-pointed star that Kathy talked about earlier in, in the visualization, um, which derives from the pentagon, is the only regular proportion to have within its geometric structure these special golden proportions. And in this illustration, we can see how these relationships in the star relate back to the human proportion. We see these proportions in each arm of the star, there is a relationship between unity, one, and theta, 1.6128, and its related fractions. We don't need to understand the mathematics to intuitively grasp the flowing unity of the whole. As an example of how we can apply this knowledge, taking the five cities that we are told in the Alice Bailey teachings are planetary inlets for spiritual energy we can visualize them as represented by five points of a pentacle star. If one imagines drawing this 
star shape with a continuous line, one is entering into these relationships intimately. We can get a sense of the interconnection of these senses in relation to the geometry of the star as it unfolds in time and space. So this illustration is my, my conjecture about how the sequence might go um, from London to Darjeeling to New York to Geneva to Tokyo and back to London. So there's a sense of flow between the points uh, with New York being at the head, being at the, the crown. And this also follows the unnatural um, unfolding of the sepals of a rose flower. So to conclude, um, returning to the basic premise of the golden proportion, such that A is to B, as B is to A plus B, we can see it in this uh, diagram. And um, I've got a, you'll see this again in the animation that I'm just about to show you. But to conclude the, um, the, the philosophy, thus theta divides unity into two unequal parts, but it paradoxically also unites these two parts as unity through this unfolding and infolding proportional system. So with that in mind, <laughs> I'd like you to watch this, please. The three that are two that are one The freedom to walk in the sun Up into the light and out on the ground All life finds its way into sound from the one we are born into many oh. what happened there? Right. Right. I'll just go back a bit. From the one we are born into many we grow. Diverse and beautiful, these proportions we know. Deep down at the roots, our power is found to divide and join. Inspiring around from the one we are born into many. Diverse and beautiful, these proportions we know. Deep down at the roots, a power is found to divide and join, inspiring around. Inspiring around and around and around. Inspiring
So that's it. Wow. So you might wonder that that image at the end is um, <laughs> it was um, the idea was uh, to take the five cities and to take their flowers, the, the flowers of each city. So mm. we have London, um, Darjeeling, New York. New York is interesting because it's a rose, I guess, because of its relationship to York in uh, in, uh, in in the UK, and then uh, Edelweiss and the um, uh, the jasmine flower for Japan, for in Tokyo. Mm. So anyway. Wow, thank you so much. So much beautiful creative energy going into your presentations. And each time you seem to <laughs> go more and more. It's just wonderful, really yeah. wonderful. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, shall I stop the sharing or should no, I just... It's, just keep this image, it's really I, nice. Okay. So. So now, as um, we know, let's open it up. Um, just so many thoughts are being shared of appreciation, I'm sure, but um, let's see. And you can also raise your hand if you want to share. Everybody's just loving it. <laughs> it's amazing. I think we could put this on our Facebook page and um, separate even from the webinar so it gets a little more attention. So beautiful. Um, see if anyone has anything other than beautiful, wonderful. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Eduardo has, uh, which, do you, can you see Eduardo's share? Uh, I, uh, hang on, I, let me, I just have to do that. Okay, okay. I can come back into Zoom. Um, uh, oh, yes, I can up here. That's right. I've got the chat box at the top, haven't I? Um, oh, <laughs> where's the chat box gone? I uh, don't know. Maybe I've got to come out of my screen sharing in order to see the chat box. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll do that. Um, so, yes, I can now see the chat. Uh, Eduardo said something. Um, uh, trying to find where he, oh, right. Thank you for such beautiful prayer. The golden proportion can also be seen in the musical chord, a triad of intervals or ratios within the musical scale. Much music like some of Bach's fugues was composed according to the proportion. Yes, absolutely, Eduardo. I, um, um, it's it's just it's everywhere I think in in creativity because it must it just uh, inspire so many people uh, and in so many different fields. I mean I'm an architect and uh, there was a very famous architect uh, in the modern era, Corbusier, the Frenchman, who designed a whole system of proportion based on the golden golden section. He built uh, buildings, but obviously before that in classical architecture it was the the way that you design buildings was using a ratio and proportion. Um, it's only in the last 50 years or so that we've thrown that out. <laughs> um, so there we are. Yes, um, and Diane Adams has said the polygon polygonal shape at the center of the five-pointed star seems to play a pivotal role in the construction of the star. Oh, hang on. Right, hang on, go back. Um, what do you think the poly polygon represents esoterically in our, in our earthbound lives? Um, well, I, I, I guess it is this, it's supposed to be the symbol of, of the, if you think of a man or a woman standing with their arms spread out and their legs apart, and the, you can see the, the, the um, five points of the human body relate to the five-pointed star. So it has a very strong relationship to us as human beings, and I guess it was no, um, it was no mistake that in the Renaissance it became such a powerful symbol, in the way that uh, the Renaissance architects and artists of all kinds um, uh, proportioned their buildings and and music and 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 art. It underlies a lot of the works of uh, Da Vinci and Michelangelo and other artists. And even Pete Mondrian in the 20th century, he used um, this system to um, generate his lines and proportions in his abstract works, as, as did a lot of other artists. 
so it, it just is just huge the amount of creativity that's come from the uh, from the pentagon and from the golden proportion and it's mind-bogglingly bog, simple this a is to b is b is to a plus b but it's actually quite difficult to get your head around it it's one of those so simple and yet very profound as well there's a question uh from joshua joshua yeah i i had a i guess a two-part question uh, is there any uh, way that you can think of how the uh, the golden proportion might apply to sort of daily life or or have some some uh, application there? And also, if there's any application you can think of uh, relating to groups. Gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing I guess is when we talk about analogy, when we use an analogy, and, and we do use it a lot in everyday life, how, how important that is to bring concepts and ideas, especially spiritual ideas, into human experience by using analogy. So you could say that it, in a way that is how we use um, this kind of proportional system, although it's, not a, it, it's, the, it's the continuous proportion, it's the three-term proportion that we use in analogy or four-term proportion. A golden proportion we don't really use because it's so... I don't know, I think it's so profoundly um, connected with, I suppose, our experience of us as um, perhaps in, in terms of us being as souls and personalities. But I, yes, I, I, I don't, I can't really think of anything more I can think of to say on that, I'm sorry. There's also another hand raised, so let me see. Right. Uh, Sanjay, are you there? Oh, he's still muted. Wait. Uh, Sanjay, did you have a question or comment? Because you're, I'm trying to unmute you. Just a request. There you go. Okay. Please, it's just a request. Hi. Um, yeah. Just to put this uh, video on the emails, video and the chat, the emails, it's the it was a little difficult to hear. I think you asked to put the video on the chat box in the video chat box. And the video and the chat and the email, if possible, please. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Can you can you put the video on the chat box? We did upload the entire document with the images, but I don't know if um, you can pull this off into the chat box, uh, James. Um, Where it is uploaded? I it's a, in the chat box is the um, the talk with the images. I I can certainly I can I I can certainly put the um, the the uh, animation um, link to uh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that would be the chat box. Let me do that. That would be great. Yeah. Thank you, Sanjay. Oh, I see Kitcher and his nice analogy and nice um story about the father, Pete Mondrian. Yeah. Yeah, did you want to read it? Yes. Um Kit says my father built the bookshelves in our home based on the art of Pete Mondrian included different lengths and heights of shelves, blocks of color and black stripes in the front and back of each shelf. He also built furniture for his children based on the same idea. I love them from childhood onwards, smiley face. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's one of those, um, I'm just going to, so Eduardo has also said, it also teaches us that there is some kind of beauty which belongs to nature and is not merely a product of conventional agreements and tastes, quite. Um, and I always like the idea, I, I 
remember once working for an architect um, and um, you know he was into the way things look from a certain from a certain perspective so he said well we won't create a pure square window at the top of this building because you'll never see it as a pure square it'll always be you know proportionally look a bit strange because it'll be foreshortened by the fact that you're looking from the ground up at it but he kind of missed the idea that these shapes have their own integrity and putting them into a building as a square rather than as an elongated shape in order to make it look like a square from the ground. It's about their integrity in themselves, not about what they look like from a certain perspective. And I, I guess it sort of summed up the difference in how, the way things look and the way things are. It's, mm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Scroll up to read Ellen Kennedy's question. Right, I missed that. Um, I have it if you want me to read it. Okay. Yes, please do. Yeah. Would you speak about the motion of the spiral? Right, mm -hmm. left, I teach sacred dance and begin each session with a spiral dance. Thank you. Yes, uh, well, I've, I've always been taught to, to spiral sunwise, uh, to, go, to go that way round uh, rather than uh, anti-sunwise, um, opening and closing a spiral, but um, uh, there's a, there's a, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it on YouTube. There's a beautiful video of uh, the solar system and the way that uh, mm -hmm. yeah. it spirals through space and, and the, the, the way that the planets all spiral around it. And uh, I guess that's a, a wonderful example of how these, you know, how everything is in a sense, in a, in a state of motion. Um, and there are many different kinds of spirals. I mean, the golden spiral is only one of, many many different kinds of spirals but why it's so interesting is it's it's the only spiral which has these pure half quarter circles to create it so it's a very pure form of a spiral and i think that's why it has a kind of a power that um you can see in that in that construction where you have these you know um increasing um quarter circles to create this um this uh spiral which you can find obviously in nature in three dimensions in the way that leaves um, spiral across and, and um, up into the light from from the from the ground all right well I know there are many other comments and I really thank you all for contributing so much in the chat Pleasure. sorry we couldn't read them all mm. but but I can send you a copy James, so you can you thank can you. read them, and thank you so much for your presentation. And we will share it. We have shared it on Facebook, and um, we'll share the video as well. So hopefully, more people can see it there. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you so much. So let's just close by linking with each other and with the worldwide group, and bringing our group light to the planet. Thank you, everyone, again.